Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Emotional Autoimmunity Podcast. I am your host, Kerry Jeffrey. I live here in Melbourne, Australia, and I work online with my clients all around the world, helping them with the often complex emotional issues that go along with having chronic illness. And I know exactly what that is like because I live with four of them. And if you want to know more about my chronic illness experience and the illnesses that I have, there is lots of information over at my About Me page at emotionalautoimmunity.com. So today we are going to dig deep into a topic that I've wanted to talk about for quite a long time and I've kind of struggled with it because it is a very complex thing. So while this is not going to be a definite covering every single aspect of this topic, um, I still think it's going to be something that's useful for you, especially if you've ever worried about or being concerned about or afraid of letting the illness define you or you've had other people tell you to not let the chronic illness define you because it is a really common fear and it is a really common um, accusation or concern um, or even nasty comment that can be said by other people about your experience with chronic illness. So this might be a little bit all over the place. We're going to try and link it all together so we'll see how we go. So not letting the illness define you. When it's used by other people, it's generally meant to be a criticism or a judgment of you or even one of those comments that's kind of masked as I, I care about you um, and I'm worried about you, but it doesn't feel good to receive because it does feel like a criticism and it does feel like they think that you're not doing enough or they think that you're exaggerating exactly how the illness is impacting you. And it's a kind of a judgment that's akin to the whole, you know, think positive, right? Stop being negative, think positive thoughts, mind over matter, all of those different things that um, we do tend to hear quite a bit as people with chronic illness. And when it's used by ourselves, that whole I don't want to let this illness define me um, is one of the forms of denial that we can experience. And it's also one of the fears, the more common fears about accepting the illness that is equated to if I accept this, or if I let it in, then it will define me, which means it will take me over, which means that I'm then giving up. So it actually stops you from being able to accept the illness and begin to live within any of the limitations or the management that the illness brings into your life. 
And a lot of this, I think, goes back to, you know, the historical aspects of how we define illness and wellness and what is normal for the human body to experience and what is considered normal for the human body and brain to be able to achieve. And so chronic illness is kind of like the poor orphan child of this model. It's very poorly understood even by medical professionals. There's very little education about it, um, any education about chronic illnesses, um, including autoimmune disease, uh, tends to be that it's a rare event when the reality is that it's actually incredibly common. You know, there are millions, literally millions of people living with chronic illnesses all over the world and the number is increasing, especially um, as a result of the pandemic with a lot of people now living with long COVID, um, which are giving them symptoms very akin to ME. CFS, right? So there are actually a lot of people living with a chronic illness that you probably don't even know about. And if you have heard about it, well, you might hear about, you know, a grandma or, or a cousin or somebody that's got rheumatoid arthritis, but it doesn't really enter your mind to understand what that means. Because our general model for illness and wellness is that either you're healthy, you're sick, which is a temporary thing like a cold or a flu virus or something like that, or you're terminally ill or you have a clearly visible disability. So a very clear visual representation that someone either by their physical limitations or their cognitive or neurological limitations seem to fall outside of what we would consider to be normal human capacity, capability, all of those things. And, I mean, normal is just such a, a, a troublesome um, concept in the first place. So chronic illness doesn't really fit into that. And the perception of the terminal illness model like things like cancer, where there is a potential chance of a cure or expecting, you know, hoping for some form of remission, is that the person with the terminal illness is expected to fight to the bitter end to attempt to do everything they can to beat the illness, overcome the illness and never give up right, which sets up the scenario that the illness is the enemy that must be overcome and if you accept it, then you've given up or it's some kind of personal moral failure on your part. And the chronic illness seems to kind of, in most people's minds, slot into that, that it's something that you need to fight to overcome to get back 100% to the health and ability that you had before. And if you're not doing that, then there's something lacking in you, right? So really understanding that 
that chronic illness doesn't fit into that model, right? People don't understand the concepts of getting an illness that isn't going to kill you, but also can't actually be cured or fixed, right? That it's something that you need to adapt to and learn to live with and manage and, you know, take maybe medication or things for, like myself now living with type 1 diabetes, which I want to let you know can be acquired at any age because I got it at 60, um, is is something that, like, I need to take insulin. That That's the way it is. If I don't monitor my blood sugar and I don't take my insulin, then I will actually die. So I am dependent on that. Um, I'm also dependent on thyroid hormone replacement, right? There are things that I need to do to better manage my condition to give me the best possible quality of life that I can have. So it also fits into our perception of disabled because if we go back to that model that we've got, which is you're healthy, you're sick with a, you know, a thing that is going to get better, you're clearly disabled or you're terminally ill, well, then chronic illness doesn't really fit into or slot into that model or that part of disability because for many of us, including myself, I do not look disabled. And people will say that, you that you look so well, right? You, do, you don't look sick. You look so healthy. And a lot of people with chronic illness are reluctant, and that included myself um, up until fairly recently, really hesitant or really reluctant to describe myself as disabled because I didn't feel that I was disabled enough um, to actually to talk about that or claim that, even though there have been very large portions of my experience with chronic illness when I very clearly was not only physically disabled, like I, I couldn't get out of bed, I could barely walk, I was in a lot of physical pain, but I was cognitively disabled as well. So it affected my speech, it affected my thought process, I wasn't able to work, right? So with chronic illness, there is a term that I now embrace, which is dynamic disability. So I live with a dynamic disability, which means that it's a constantly shifting spectrum that affects my physical ability, my cognitive function, the levels of pain that I am operating at, my ability to concentrate, learn, take in new behaviour, my motivational levels, my ability to be present with others, my ability to work and function. And it's a constantly shifting spectrum. So for some people where they are now in their chronic illness, you could be bedbound and in survival mode, right, which is just everything is so limited that your sole focus is getting through the day and staying alive and, and there is no other, there's no extra energy, there's no ability, there's no emotional or cognitive bandwidth to literally do 
anything else because your body has stopped you, right? The condition has stopped you and until or if that passes on that scale of dynamic disability, that's where you are right now. And the really difficult thing about this is that you don't know how long that's going to last and you don't know if you're actually going to get better from it or recover from it or if this is actually the descent into dying, actually dying. Because one of the other things that a lot of people don't understand about chronic illness is that it can greatly reduce people's lifespan and abilities. And it is like the leading cause of death uh, for women and girls around the world, the leading contributor to mortality, because it does have an impact on the way your organs function. It does have an impact on, on your body. And if you have a chronic autoimmune condition, then unfortunately, you can go on to, to get more of them, right? But it's a constant spectrum. So for myself, I've gone from completely bedbound and couchbound and non-functional and not able to work to where I am right now. And so many levels or variations of that in between, Right. And in fact, the reason that you're hearing more of my podcasts at the moment and they're coming out more regularly is that I'm on a new upswing, right? So at the moment, I am currently at a level of health, motivation, clarity, function where I do want to do these things. I have the emotional, physical bandwidth to do these things. And while I still need to manage my energy, there's more to go around, right? I've got more energy, more ability, more motivation, more desire to do more things. And if you live with chronic illness, then you probably understand that all of these things have got to all come together at the same time, right? And they don't always do that. So I might have more physical energy, but I don't have the emotional bandwidth or capacity, or I don't have the capacity of motivation and cognitive function at that same time. They've all got to kind of come together for you to be able to do more, be more present, experience more, achieve more and enjoy more of your life. And that doesn't always happen because they've all got to happen at the same time. And then with the disability model that we have, well, not everybody with a chronic illness has a disability and not everybody with a disability has a chronic illness, which is why I feel that the dynamic disability really does describe for me personally, maybe for you as well, that that's what I live with. And it's a really useful term for me to talk about it in that factual way about what my illness is, um, what accommodation, support needs that I have, whether it's for a meal, whether it's okay, you know, we can do that in the morning because that's when I've got more energy, but I can't do that in the evening, whether it's, you know, I need to stop right now, check my blood sugar and probably take some insulin. So we need to take a pause for that. It's that constant management that we need to do to just deal with whatever is going on in our body, right, to effectively manage our disease. So I find that 
dynamic disability is a really good term to use and most people can kind of wrap their head around that. So one of the issues with this whole letting the illness define you that we've already said is, is either when other people do it, it's externalised ableism, right? There are examples of that because ableism is this belief that um, disabled people are somehow less than, right? So they're somehow less than, they're not the norm, and they're supposed to be constantly striving to, to do normal things, right? And there is actually such a term that was actually coined by an Australian um, disability advocate and a person living with a disability called inspiration porn, which is, you know, oh, if you think your life is bad, well, hey, look at this disabled person and, oh, look at them. They're out doing a tandem parachute jump. Like, isn't that... Isn't that inspiring? But it, it's meant to inspire normal, right, and I'm doing the air quotes here, normal, healthy people. Like, oh, wow, isn't that inspiring that that person with those dreadful afflictions is able to do that thing, right? So we've really got to include ableism into this whole conversation about what letting the illness define you and those other terms how it all ties in together. And these are all probably things that you've heard but you didn't realise or understand what it is. So externalised forms of ableism, which are, are things other people have either said or judgments or attitudes for chronic illness, includes other people believing that people with chronic illness have less value and worth than healthy people do. So they're somehow less than making the assumption that the person with the chronic illness needs to be fixed or that they can be healed or cured or that they can somehow overcome their chronic illness and be back to the way they were before. Asking the person with chronic illness really intrusive personal questions about the chronic illness or openly questioning whether it's real or not or if it's real can it actually is it actually that bad as you say it is and other people ignoring requests for accommodation or support like providing a gluten-free meal or not wanting to meet at a time when it works with your energy or refusing outright to even acknowledge somebody's chronic illness and treating them in, in a really judgmental or hurtful way. It also includes that people with chronic illness are often seen as needing to be fixed and not accepting the way that they are at the moment. And this is where we get all of these so frustrating, annoying, like, have you tried this? Have you tried this wonderful supplement? Have you tried doing yoga, have you tried, whatever it is that they think, and, and that can really be incredibly frustrating. And that the other way that we can experience as people with chronic illness externalization is that the chronic illness is seen as some kind of either moral or spiritual failing 
on your part that you're stuck in negative thinking, that you're lacking in self-discipline or you're just not thinking positive enough. It can also be people policing your body and believing they know better what it can do than you do and how you're feeling. So telling you, no, just come on, let's keep going for this walk. You've just got to push through it. You know, you've just got to keep doing it. Um, it, it also is associated with a strong belief that comes top down from the medical profession and then permeates itself out into our society and our families and our friends, that chronic illness is hysterical in nature, that it's attention-seeking or that it's an actual psychiatric issue rather than a purely physical one because you can't visibly see it and that the biological and physical testing that we have at the moment is still incredibly inadequate, very limited in nature, and in some instances really difficult to even get from medical professionals just a basic test, say, to get a basic full thyroid panel that will actually tell you what your thyroid hormones are and tell you if you have the thyroid antibodies that are necessary to be able to clinically diagnose you with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is one of the things that I have. So there's all of those different things. And then if we try and tie that into disability, well, most countries that have a disability act will put it under a, an umbrella that a disability can include any physical or mental health condition or symptom that significantly affects at least one or major more major activities that affect your daily life. So disabilities can affect your ability to communicate, to stand, walk or move from place to place, to leave your home, to see, to hear, to breathe, to eat or drink, to learn and remember information, to handle work responsibilities, to interact with others, including co-workers, friends, loved ones and anyone else, to shower, use the bathroom or handle other basic needs. And at certain points through my illness, I can identify with all of those because, as I said, living with a dynamic disability, there is a scale of that. Um, if you're somebody who lives with POTS, right, standing, walking or moving from place to place, depending on what's happening on the day with your blood pressure, right, can determine whether you actually need a disability aid like a wheelchair or a cane or whether you're able to, without issue, walk around and do things. And it's this constantly unpredictable, fluctuating thing. So it's important to remember that denying your illness or questioning your chronic illness is always ableist because not all conditions have visible symptoms. So the internalised ableism that kind of drives this fear of 
letting the illness define me or giving in to the illness uh, or not fighting it, right? Because if I give in, then that means that's it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take me down. It's going to completely rule my life. Um, it's going to take everything away from me. So it's it, a lot of this comes down to this big fear of acceptance that it means I'm completely giving up, which is actually the opposite of what acceptance is. So internalised ableisms are judgments and beliefs that you impose on yourself. So these can be feelings like feeling that I no, no longer fit in with friends or family or society because I have the chronic illness, feeling like a burden to your family and other people because I now have the chronic illness, feeling undesirable as a prospective partner or an employee or a friend or any of those things, feeling less than about yourself, so much less than you did before you had the chronic illness and feeling like you don't deserve to have support or help or assistance or even to get yourself a disability aid like a shower chair. And for myself, that was something that I resisted for so long because of my internalised ableism. Right? I felt like I wasn't qualified because it wasn't bad enough. But, you know, there were often times and I'd, I'd literally have to go down to the floor in the middle of the shower because I couldn't stay upright because my blood pressure had dropped or, you know, I just wasn't feeling physically strong enough to stand up. And it was a big process for me to work through my resistance to my own internalised ableism to gift myself a shower chair. And now, like, it's the best thing. Like, I think every person should have a, a shower chair. It's just so nice, even if I don't essentially, you know, technically need it. And I'm doing the air quotes again, right, because we just, we really want to push ourselves so hard and be really, you know, fierce with ourselves and not give in, right? It's just nice sometimes to sit on a shower chair and just let the water flow over you. It's really relaxing, right? So, and then it's internalised ableism is constantly comparing yourself to others, blaming yourself for not doing enough or trying hard enough to beat or fight the illness. And then that leads to self-doubt that it really is as bad as you think it is. Or maybe you start to think, well, am I making it up? Am I exaggerating? Is it all in my head? And so these are all examples of internalised ableism because they're all things that we impose on ourselves and our internal ableism is compounded by the external ableism that we hear from other people's reactions other people's negative comments other people's you know have you tried and the microaggressions that we experience from other people and we might not even realize that these are microaggressions but they are because they they have an impact right they're dismissive they're hurtful they're 
gone for. They're, they're trying to minimise or trivialise the reality of our lived experience and what we're dealing with. And these microaggressions can be things like, well, I wish I could stay home all day. That'd be nice. Or, well, you don't look sick to me, right? You look really well. Or other dismissive comments like, it's mind over matter, right? Just think positive. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Don't let it define you. That is a microaggression because it it feels hurtful. It feels dismissive, but because we're so deep in the ableism, the external, that, and we don't even realise because going back to where I was initially in the beginning, right, because the model and our understanding and concept of what illness and wellness is, is so restrictive, and chronic illness doesn't fit into that model. Remember, it's not understood by our doctors and medical staff. And because of things like medical gaslighting, you know, if you're going to the doctor and you really know something is wrong with you and the doctor says something like, well, your tests are normal, it's all in your head, it's because you're anxious, it's because you're stressed, and then you've got to report what the doctor says to your family, well, then you start to doubt yourself. And then your family and your partners can start to think, well, is, is, are you making it up? Is it as bad as you say that it is? Because you're not getting the validation of an actual legitimate diagnosis, especially if your illness is one that doesn't really fit into like a recognised, legitimate, and I'm doing air quotes again, right, illness where there is actual proof because a lot of the chronic illnesses don't actually have a physical test that can definitively define what that illness is and this even includes more well-known diseases like multiple sclerosis and where the testing is generally you know there's an MRI that's got to be done so they're looking for lesions in the brain and then there can be a very painful invasive test which is a spinal tap and even that where they're where they're inserting a needle like into between the the spinal discs right and drawing out some of the spinal fluid and then testing that and even that can be inconclusive so there, there's a it's really hard to get a definitive diagnosis of an autoimmune disease and without that legitimacy and I'm doing the air quotes again right that people don't take it seriously and because you don't have a visit visible in many cases, you're living with an invisible disease, you don't look sick. And that's what people say. And I hear that all the time. You look so well. You look so healthy. And, you know, the weird part about it is that I do still consider myself to be a healthy person because of the changes that I've made in order to accommodate and manage my chronic illnesses, like the care 
that I take of myself now is is so much better. You know, the way I feed myself, the way that I enable that I get rest, the boundaries that I have around myself, my beliefs about myself, all of those things are, are so much better than they were before chronic illness. So in many ways, I am healthier than before I got chronic illness because the seeds of my chronic illness, looking back with that 2020 hindsight, went all the way back to my childhood when I became, you know, went from a normal-sized child to an obese child and that I always struggled with so many things. Everything felt hard for me, but through my internalised ableism, right, and I not knowing that I actually had a disease, I did all the internalisation things, right? So it's me. I'm not trying hard enough. I'm I'm lacking in discipline. I'm lacking in in um, motivation. There's something wrong with me, but it's not at a physical level. It's at a me level, right? I'm not self disciplined. I'm not motivated enough. I don't push myself hard enough. All of those things and beliefs that I had for most of my life. And so in terms of actually becoming chronically ill and then getting the diagnoses that I have, it like it all makes sense. So it gave me the ability to put my whole life experience into context, right? Because most chronic illnesses do not happen overnight, especially with autoimmune disease, right? It's generally been brewing and bubbling under the surface waiting for the right sequence of cumulative effects and events before it got to the point with our body's amazing ability to adapt, right, until we could literally not adapt anymore. And then the illness became so bad that there are clearly visible signs that something is wrong or very clearly able to be felt signs that what you are now experiencing is not normal for you. So this fear that we have, which is a denial of the reality, right? If you're saying that, and I understand this because this is a really scary thing and everybody struggles with this, right? If I let the illness define me, it will take me down and I will give up And then that's it. There's no hope for me ever recovering anything close to the self that I was before the chronic illness because the chronic illness is a loss of yourself. It's a loss of how you were before, loss of ability, loss of how you feel in your body, often physically different right either losing a lot of weight or gaining a lot of weight or having you know carrying fluid in your body losing your hair right there's so many physical and emotional and cognitive impacts that chronic illness has and because we've got that warrior mentality right going back to that old model of of the illness is something you've got to fight right you've got to keep fighting it you've got to keep battling it the illness is the enemy that you must overcome and if you're not constantly fighting it 
right, it's going to take you down. That's something that's really difficult to maintain and live with because if we're perceiving that something in our body is the enemy, that's really scary. And when your body feels like your enemy, being at war with yourself creates a lot of stress. It creates a lot of fear. It it creates a lot of anxiety. And all of those things create more stress. And stress makes any illness even worse, which means there's going to be more flares. So you're going to experience more symptoms, right? So it's also denying the reality Like saying, I'm not going to let this define me is akin to me to saying, well, I was in an accident and I broke my leg, but I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to continue to walk around because I'm not going to let this broken leg define me and who I am. And doesn't that sound completely unreasonable? Like We know if we break a leg, then there are things that need to happen for that bone to heal. And that means you might for a time need disability aids, right? You are going to be limited. So for me to say I'm not going to let my illnesses define me is, is ignoring the reality that my physical body has changed. My life has changed. I have a dynamic disability that can, depending on how symptomatic I am, greatly affect my ability to function and and do anything at all. And my illness is real. and It actually has effects on me, like it actually impacts me. And if I don't acknowledge it and I want to go into denial of it, and I don't manage the four illnesses that I have, that's only going to make things worse for me. I can't afford to put my head in the sand because there's certain outcomes that come with the illnesses that I live with that I would really rather not experience. So it's a fact of life. It's not that you're less worthy it's not that you're not strong enough it's not that you're thinking you know you're not thinking positive enough it's not that you're in a state of sin um it's not any of those things chronic illness is a physical reality that's affecting your body it's a legitimate disease it's not your fault you didn't do anything to create it and you didn't cause it it's a, it's a terrible thing, a life-changing thing that's happened to you. And that's it. That's where it is. And so as people living with chronic illness, as people living with dynamic disabilities, as people often living with an invisible illness and the poor, the lack of understanding, the lack of research, um, the lack of belief, coming from our medical community, the belief that it's somehow a mental disorder or hysteria or attention-seeking or drug-seeking, 
unfortunately permeates our society. So that externalised ableism, that externalised denial, it's really hard to resist. And all of the microaggressions that we experience are being questioned, being disbelieved, having people give you the have you tried, um, people rolling their eyes, right, people trying to push their boundaries, people not being willing to accommodate your very real and valid need for support and our internalised ableism that it's somehow a lack within ourselves, whether it's strength, whether it's self-discipline, uh, whether it's not trying hard enough. All of these things come together to create that that big fear of not letting the illness define me, the big fear of if I accept this, then I'm giving up, then that creates a whole lot of other issues. So a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor is me. <laughs> I want to let you know I am my sponsor. I want to talk to you a little bit about why do I work with programs and why do I not do single sessions? So one is single sessions is the model for basically every form of, of therapy from massage therapy to psychiatry, right? And single sessions actually needs the client or the patient to keep booking in, right, to assume responsibility for that process. And so it doesn't really provide any continuity for you. The other thing about going into any form of therapy, no matter what it is, is you're generally in a state of pain. And when you're in a state of pain, you're highly motivated. And what I find happens with me because, because I'm giving people a new emotional framework and because there's a process, right, that I go through. So I don't do traditional talk-based therapy. And if you want to know more about you know, why I do what I do and how I work. And all of that information is available at my website, emotionalautoimmunity.com on my work with me page. So everything you need to know about my work and my programs is included there. So because I work with a skills-based framework, right, that I know from experience, having now worked with hundreds of clients all around the world, that there's a process that we all need to go through in order to learn these skills, right? So it means, you know, we're starting over here and we're going to end over there. And that means that there's things that you need to learn and there's things that we've got to unpack and there's things that we've got to work with at a conscious and unconscious level so that you end up with the results that you want. So we're going from A to B. And as a result of that, there's a whole lot of processes that need to happen. So it's not traditional talk-based therapy. It's kind of more akin to a therapeutic course of study, right? You're going to be learning things. You're going to be changing things. You're going to be giving you the tools and the skills. And that needs to happen consistently. So my programs are either seven sessions or 12 sessions, as I said, all the information is there about the work with me, that I decide in the free discovery session which one of those, my programs, is going to give you the best result and I'll tell you exactly why. I would think that in the discovery session. I'll give you all the information 
and um, all of the costs and things like that. I do not want or ask for a, a commitment or anything. I give you the information. You get to meet me. I send you the email and then that's it. You go away. You think about it. You decide if it feels like the right thing for you. And if you do, you respond to the email. And if you don't, you just delete it. Right? It's definitely not a sales call. So the best way to get results is that we have weekly sessions. We've got that ongoing commitment to a certain time period that I'm pretty confident that we're going to be able to reach your goals within that time period. And you also get between session access to me, right? And I do that through WhatsApp or email. So you can message me between sessions, get that support. And my job as your coach, as your therapist, is to keep you moving forwards, right? So we're learning new skills. We're implementing those skills to get you from which is generally stuck in survival mode, right, feeling, dealing with the constant disbelief, dealing with the medical gaslighting, dealing with the overwhelm and the grief um, of how different you are now to how you are, how you were before, right? Dealing with all of the medical gaslighting and, and the externalised ableism and the microaggressions and, and all of that thing that is, is part of our daily life, unfortunately, with chronic illness and just not knowing how to deal with that. So giving you those skills is part of my job. So if you want to know more about that, like I said, head over to my website, www.emotionalautoimmunity.com dot com all of that information is there for you you can book in your free discovery session and i would love to meet you and tell you more about how i can help you if you're struggling with this acceptance if you're struggling with this fear of and judgment of not letting the illness define me so back to the podcast so I've really tried to break down in this podcast why this whole not letting the illness define you is such a powerful negative judgment from others, so externalised, but also from ourselves, that internalised ableism, that internalised fear and judgment that we take. And how if we buy into this, it can actually get in the way of you being able to have the best available version of health and happiness that's available to you now. Because if we make the illness the enemy and we make our bodies the enemy, then we're at war with ourselves. And if we're at war with ourselves or if we're at war with the illness, there's no peace in that, right? It's a constant struggle. So for me, the essence of acceptance is understanding that it's the reality of my life and it's not my fault. And either I can continue using the analogy I used before to try and walk around on a broken leg or I can understand that this illness has happened to me and my body and it actually does affect how I feel and how I function 
And it does impose some limitations and restrictions on what I can do and what I can't do that change on that dynamic disability scale, right? Because when you live with chronic illness, you never really know what you're going to get from day to day. It makes things really um, unpredictable and creates a lot of uncertainty. And so in every moment, I want to be supporting myself and helping myself, believing in myself and taking my illness seriously, which I do because I'm the one living with the reality of it. I'm the one living with the issues it creates for me. I'm the one living with the losses it has incurred for me because my life is not the same. And to deny that would be betraying myself because my lived experience as yours is, is valid and real. And I'm not going to let me, let anybody else tell me that it's not. Right? I'm going to back myself and I'm going to support myself and I'm going to acknowledge the physical reality of the illness that I deal with because it has changed my life. I do deserve support. I do deserve accommodations to be made for you. I do deserve consideration and it doesn't make me any less than. I am still a great therapist. I am still a great friend. I am still a great mother. I am still worthy even though I may not be able to do those things and those roles the way that I did before. Right? Chronic illness is real. We're all living on that big spectrum of the invisible illness from bedbound to out in the world and functioning. And that can change at any time. And that doesn't mean that you're making it up. And it doesn't mean that you're not disciplined. And it doesn't mean that you're not right with your version of God. Um, it doesn't mean that you did it to yourself. It doesn't mean you're hysterical. It doesn't mean that you're drug-seeking. It doesn't mean that you're making it up. It's real. So I really hope this has been useful for you. And if you have found it useful, please do feel share free to share this podcast with your family, with your friends, in your chronic illness support group, if that's something that they allow um, because this is really important information and I want to get it out there. So I will be back next time, <clears throat> next time talking about another common emotional issue of living with chronic illness. And remember, you can book your free discovery session with me anytime. And if this is an issue for you, so you're really struggling with acceptance and not letting the illness define you, then please head over to my website, sign up to my email community because you're going to get some really valuable free resources that are going to help you with these things, like really powerful practical help. It's available to you and you can easily unsubscribe at any time. So I'll be speaking to you soon. Bye for now.